And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the VR1 NFT Podcast. I'm your host. So ladies and gentlemen, we pick up right where we left off. Today is going to be an excellent day. And we have a lot of ground to cover. So yesterday, I basically had the like the urge to um to kind of do a live on on my Instagram and I found myself doing something that I wasn't necessarily content with after I thought about it I I watched two episodes of this really really big show overseas it's one of my favorites it's not really big as far as the audience reach, but it's big as far as I think the quality of the content. And basically, what I felt was the need to to connect, but in the sense that as an artist, you have to balance everything out because you can't put out every fire. Um. I was watching an interview with Drake where he said that, you know, he keeps a tight inner circle and then he doesn't, like, he doesn't focus on anything outside of that circle. And I could relate to that. I could definitely relate to that. And um, for me, it was, in a sense, a learning experience for the simple fact that it put a lot of things into perspective. You know, when I tried to do the first live, I was testing the system, right? Normally, if it's something that requires video, I format that a little bit different. You know, my comfort zone, obviously, is the podcast, my radio show, and anything with audio arts. Visual arts are a little bit different. And, you know, it's given me time to kind of reflect and think about, like, a lot of different, you know, a lot of different things. So, later that evening, you know, I I thought about doing the same, and I got sidetracked, like, I was interrupted, and then, um... You know, a few things um, happened later in the night where I felt the same way. Like a part of me was like, you know what, I want to do this. But a part of me was like, maybe it's not the right format and it's not really my position. So throughout the day yesterday, I continued to do research in a sense to finalize what I'm going to do with all the DSPs, right? So the front runners are CD Baby, TuneCore, DistroKid, United Masters. There's a few honorable mentions. I think AWOL is one of them. Um, STEM is another one. And there are a few others which I'm not too familiar with the names, but I was trying to decide what would be the criteria 
for, you know, what I wanted to do. And in a sense, I have to kind of like explore that for the simple fact that, you know, releasing a record on United Masters is not what I thought it was going to be. Meaning, in a sense, shout out to 50 Cent for signing the non-exclusive deal with Fox because basically if I release a project on United Masters I can simultaneously through a non-exclusive agreement I could release a a project on CD Baby, TuneCore or DistroKid now the fees are similar I actually think United Masters is not a bad deal for what I'm trying to do for an artist that may not have uh, a catalog as big as mine. It would be different. But um, right now, of the of the few drawbacks that I can see is like, you know, they have between 100, maybe 150 DSPs as an extension versus, you know, having 200 plus like some do um if i'm not mistaken i think TuneCore pays weekly and that may be a weapon that i use overseas because when i release those records i need that money every week because that money is going to go right back into marketing and promotions so it's very strategic what i want to do like i may just keep the biggest records as far as hip-hop on United Masters, which that's their forte, right? And then for the Latin records, I could probably use TuneCore and DistroKid just because of the fact that they pay my royalties weekly and I don't have to wait every month. Um, From a business standpoint, it's very strategic because is the closest thing to cash flow. Now, some DSPs, what they basically offer is like, uh, like there's a few of them that I saw that is withdrawal, meaning like, you know, can I pull out the money every single day? You know? So we're going to start our foundation with that, right? Then um, I also want to talk about the legalities. Casey Graham did a very good breakdown yesterday by giving us a free excerpt from his new online course. And of course, you know, I'm part of the course, so, you know, I'm just absorbing all the data points, right? And then I also want to talk about Wendy Day and Casey Graham very briefly. But um, he explained the differences of the basics when it comes to an LLC versus a C corporation and an S corporation. Of course, you can go online and you can find a lot of information with people that are better suited to explain it than Casey Graham, which you know has an inclination for the music industry. But, um, you know, S corporation is, you know, when you're profiting over 50000 And, um... That's good to know because 
it puts you in a space where you have to be liquid for over 50000 in profit for it, for it to make sense so you're not getting double taxed. Um, speaking of double taxation, he spoke about giving away the 1099s to your, you know, your subcontractors, right? Like your work for hires, right? And um, he, he did a good job explaining how you can get double taxed if you don't issue your 1099. Because once you get even royalties above $600, you know, your distro kid, your tune cores, your United Masters, they're going to ship out a 1099 to you so that they're not liable for for the taxed uh, responsibilities. Now, moving on to the third echelon, I want to discuss Casey Graham and, and Wendy Day. First of all, Wendy Day is somebody that I've been developing a friendship with and a relationship for about a year and a half. This is the lady that discovered Eminem and got him signed to Interscope. This is the lady that secured the deal for cash money, right? Um, you know, the 85-15 split with Universal. So she's the truth. She's definitely the truth. Um, by the way, me and Eminem have the same birthday, so that's why we're so lyrically talented. And actually, Drake is four years younger than me. And he, he's he's an October baby. He uh he was born on the twenty fourth. My brother was born on the twenty second. I'm I was born on the seventeenth, like White Clef John and, and Eminem. But um, you know, from the first initial contact that I made to her, um, and shout out to Choke No Joke because I was in communication with him as well during this time. Um you know, she kind of told me what she could do and how much she would charge me. And it took me about a year and a half to get the money for her. And when I approached her, she told me that she, you know, she has a lot of projects going. So a lot of things changed in just a year and a half. And she's not cheap. It's very expensive to have her on your roster, right? And, um, you know, politely, she told me that right now she has a lot on her books. Um, I have reached out to Miss Deborah, which is Waka Flocka's mom. And, um, you know, I think she could handle the project. She hasn't had a big act since Gucci Man and Nicki Minaj. And I think I can add what she's looking for, but at the same time, I'm not willing to sacrifice or compromise what I already have going. So I may still get her involved or even Wendy Day involved in the future. But because I reached out to Debbie and Dame Dash and then Wendy Day, um, eventually I reached out to Casey Graham, which I already had an idea what I wanted to do with Casey Graham. I wanted to to hire him as an advisor for my tour as the tour was developing. And um, his fees are, are, are very understandable. Um, the only thing that I'm going to do different is I'm going to put him on, on, on payroll. So I'll have him on retainer like you do with a lawyer. So long story short, just in the small time that I was able to communicate with Mr. Graham, so many things have changed. And in yesterday's podcast, I discussed that in the sense that 
whatever you're putting together, whatever that inclination is, it may work for the next two to three months. And in two to three months, the world will be a completely different place because, you know, another good point that Drake made in his interview with Little Yachty is the fact that, you know, there's so many things that we're not in control of. So I took it as the universe was answering what my spiritual was asking for, what my needs were, right? So in that sense, I agree. First of all, with what Drake said, as far as having your inner core and not worrying about the outside, I'm rebuilding my inner core. Um, I also believe that you can't overextend yourself. Like I can't read every hip hop magazine and listen to every hip hop podcast and have an opinion about everything and, and go direct to social media and talk about certain things. Even right now, as I'm negotiating this deal before my tour even launches, I have the need to try to connect with my fan base and explain to them where I stand. And I'm like, that's kind of political. It's not the proper context or the proper format for me to do that. At the same time, I kind of respect Wendy Day for handling my project the way that she did. And the same is true for even Dame Dash and, and Miss Deb, which, you know, I definitely foresee me working with her in the future because I'll probably put her in charge of of the United States market. I think that that would be her strength. That's what she knows best. And um, with Casey Graham, I'm going to have him on retainer. So he's technically a part of my project anyway. Now, how they helped me was by kind of pushing me in the right direction and allowing me to kind of figure it out for myself, which at the time I was a little bummed out because, you know, as a human being and as an artist, we tend to go to the to the dreamer's realm, right? Like we kind of take a pause and we say, you know what? Let's just reach out and let's see, um, you know, let, let's see how things go, right? So, long story short, um, Papi, if anything, just throw on your headphones and you'll be fine. You, could, you left them at home? Okay. That's on you then. You left the, the AirPods too. But it's fine. You can speak freely. Don't worry about that. So, you know... I can relate to all of it. The fact that even the algorithm kind of suggested to me to even even look at these interviews. Like I looked at a piece of a documentary from, um, you know, Drake's Uprising. Um, there's another documentary that he kind of produced himself. He kind of put in his, um, I guess, on his YouTube channel. And, um, you know, I, I kind of, I could kind of relate to, to all of those things, right? Because it puts so much into perspective for me. Like, for example, where am I personally as a human being in my career? This is where I am. Right now, 
I'm rebuilding the structure of my family. I'm rebuilding the structure of the core of everybody around me, right? Now, on top of that, through technology, I'm negotiating all of these deals, endorsements, the tour, publishing, copyrights. I have the catalog. I have my technology company, and I'm about to go overseas. So it's, it's a lot. It's a lot going on right now. Now, I can still learn from all of these pillars in the music industry. For example, yesterday, I explained how the industry truly works, how they just want all the pillars in every market. They don't care who the pillars are. It could be Drake in one market. It could be um, Taylor Swift in another one. It could be uh, Kanye West in another one. You know, it could be Bad Bunny in a whole different market. They don't care about who the pillars are. They just want the pillars to be part of their system, right? So for everything that I'm trying to do is so different that I feel that it's not my position to explain it to the fans and to explain it to the industry. I'd rather move in stealth mode where if anybody's interested in the business side, they can listen to the podcast. And they can see that an artist can be educated and can be an entrepreneur, not just a businessman. So, in a sense, I always give you guys like the conceptual art of, of automobiles. It's very easy to get a Lamborghini, a Porsche, or a Ferrari. Okay? It's harder to keep it, though. So, it's very easy to learn about business and even get in business. But it's hard to stay in business. And that right there is the key factor. I've been in this music business since the 90s. So I went through the 90s. I went through the 2000s, the decade 2000s, and now up to now. Like I've had five, six different careers. So the advantage that I have is that my catalog grows every single day and because of that i have the ultimate leverage also i want to give a shout out to be high over there in atlanta because you know there was a discussion with big gip about uh catalogs being sold so justin beaver gets 500 million but then last year four or five artists got 30 or 40 million dollars Quality Control got $300 million for for their uh, their catalog and their masters. Again, these guys don't even come close to my catalog. So that places me in a position of power, but yet I have to know how to negotiate with these people because I have the freedom to sell part of my catalog or a portion of my catalog. Or I have the ability to lease, you know, a, a small percentage of my catalog. Wherever their financial backing limits them, like if their budget is $300 million, I have $300 million worth of music. If their budget is $100 million, I have $100 million worth of music. So all those things are up for debate. It's, it's, a, it's a constant negotiation. Like there's no way that... I have everything that I have in my portfolio and I'm not going to negotiate every red penny. In other words, 
either we strike a billion dollar deal and I hit it out the park and I'm the Elon Musk of fucking music or I'll be the fucking Warren Buffett of business. I'll invest all of my money into all different kind of businesses. So it doesn't matter. The valuation of the catalog is only going to increase. And the industry already knows that. Just in a year and a half, every phone call that they've given me, I've asked for more money. So what do you think I'm going to do in six, seven months? I'm going to ask for more money. And and that's not going to change. You see, they don't get to control or dictate what I do with my music and my career. My family doesn't have to understand. My friends don't have to understand. My fan base doesn't have to understand. Everybody can just watch the fucking movie and know where I'm coming from. Now, the reason why I mentioned 50 Cent is because a lot of people see what he's doing but have no idea why he's doing it. You saw how Irv Gotti sold you know, he, or let's say he leased the rights to his masters and his catalog. So now two things are coming into play. One, the fact that nobody ever gave 50 his King of New York status. Nobody wanted to give him that position, but he killed the game. He literally killed the game. The same thing happened with DMX, right? Because people have their favorites. Then you see how Irv Gotti is being compared to a Dame Dash or DMY from the Rough Riders. The Rough Riders movement was crazy and still is. Rockefeller was a crazy movement and it still is. But yo, Murder Inc. was on another level. Murder Inc. was bigger than both of those labels put together. Yet, the favoritism in hip-hop doesn't allow people to give their props you know, when they're, they're do their props, you know what I'm saying? Like he was able to lease his catalog for a few hundred million dollars. That's not even really selling the catalog. That's a fucking ill ass business move. Right. And what is the inclination? Motion picture shit. What is 50 doing? He started with stars. He started with power and now he has 24 shows in rotation. Now he inked a deal that is non-exclusive. Not only can he work with Fox, but he also can work with any other network. What the fuck do you think I'm doing? This catalog is only going to increase in value. And even furthermore, when I bring the motion picture aspect to it, because I'm already bypassing the whole system. Like, wait a minute. This is the final frontier. You know why? Because bigger than your iPad and your iPod and your iPhone and all these DSPs, you know what's bigger than iTunes and bigger than Spotify and SoundCloud? It's motherfucking Netflix. It is Hulu. It is Amazon Prime. It is fucking Paramount Plus. That's the final frontier. More people went to see the new Top Gun streaming then physical people walked into the movie theaters to see Top Gun in person. Because it's so convenient for people to be able to watch a film at home. So now, when you bring a catalog of content to any type of 
production where it deals with audio and visual arts is game over because all those things have to be created with a baseline of something. So, for example, 50 Cent is a connoisseur to the hip-hop culture, so he knows what buttons to push, what buttons to press, and how to connect with the people. He knows our culture and understands it from the inside out. So what he can deliver is next level, right? So the same is true for myself and my project and my portfolio and my catalog because I understand how to connect with our people. That is an intangible good and it is a priceless asset because Who's going to be able to connect with the urban hip-hop community better than me if I've been in the music industry and in the music business since the 90s, right? What about film? Who's going to be able to write or put together a better film or film project than somebody that lived it and is still currently living through it? So let's take it a step further. You know what's bigger than Hulu, Netflix, Paramount Plus, and Amazon Prime? or Disney Plus, video games, yes, EA Sports, fucking Unreal Engine, I just saw a clip for Tekken 8, um, I seen a clip with um, Kazuya and, and Jin, yo, that shit is ridiculous, my man, that shit is ridiculous, so now that the hardware is easier to access, that the day-to-day consumer has access to a PS5 now, it's going to be maybe a year or two before everybody has a PS5. So now all those classic games are coming back. You're going to have a new Gran Turismo. You're going to have a new Final Fantasy. You're going to have a new Street Fighter, a new Mortal Kombat, a new Tekken. It's all the same shit. Remix, but for this generation. Ray tracing and all these other things, right? Wearable technology. Apple has their fucking $3,000 Oculus competitor um playstation and xbox they're gonna have their own virtual reality shit so we're one step closer to this metaverse shit and that leads me to another investment what is that nfts and nft technology which i'm already into that space i'm already invested in nfts and digital currencies etc so it may not seem that way to the day-to-day world, but everything is already coming together and everything is starting to connect in a different way. So you have Drake announcing that he wants to retire, right? But, you know, they keep signing these deals and taking these advances. So it's like, fuck it. I could do it until I want to, right? You have Kanye West teeter-tottering with retirement as well. Daddy Yankee retired. Don't mind retired and just came back. Bad Bunny is thinking about retiring after four or five years of killing shit. Like shutting Drake down in half the time. But he said it himself. This huge advance, this new deal, everything going to the digital shit, it changes a lot of the dynamics. And here I come with my technology company, with NFTs, with a bigger catalog, I have more talent in one fucking hair than the whole fucking industry does put together. And I know that. I don't need a label to pat me on the back and and tell me, you have talent. You're good. You're great. 
I could release an album today and put it for sale tonight. And I could write a movie about it tomorrow morning. And the day after tomorrow, I can make phone calls and pitch the fucking movie deal. Without, without having to go through a fucking record label, exec, or none of that bullshit. If I want to cut a deal with Nike, I call Nike myself. If I want to cut a deal with fucking um, Adidas, I cut the deal myself. I don't need to fucking wait for this person or that person. or th- There's no middleman. Another good point that 50 made yesterday was, in this generation, we get to connect with the fans first before the industry comes. By the time the industry comes, it's going to be too late. I'm going to be Warren Buffett of music. I'm going to be the Elon Musk of music. I am going to be the Steve Jobs of music. And that's only the fucking beginning. Because the final frontier, I already had told this to my son a few weeks back. We're going to fuck with video games. We're going to do hardware, software. And guess what? Even for video games, you need writers. You need designers. You need artists. You need engineers. I could hire a staff of 10,000 people overseas, but I still have to tell them, yo, I want to make a fighting game. I need the character to look like this. This is the name. He has to be able to do this, that, and the third. All those things are coming into the forefront. Um, I want to give a special shout-out to Fiber because Fiber is going to be my PR firm. They're going to do the fucking the, 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 the music management. You know why? Because... I don't have the time to do all the social media shit. Let them handle that for me. I don't have the time to edit the fucking music videos for my songs. Let them do that shit for me. I don't have the time to fucking type up every song and and press it on the book and then sell the lyrics as a book. Let them do all that shit for me. I was looking at my taxes, right? So I'm 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 in the 40% tax bracket, right? So I'm over here basically going over everything with financial advisors, my my CPAs, my accountants. And I'm like, listen, man, if they're going to tax me 40% on $5 million, I'd rather fucking take that $2 million and put it back into my music. It's going to go to fucking waste. I still have to pay the taxes on it, right? So when you, you see $5 million, you think you have $5 million. No, you got $3 million. You got to pay $2 million in taxes unless now I go to fucking Instagram and I say, okay, I got 800000 for you. Not if I go to fucking um, TikTok and say, I got half a million dollars for you. Not if I go to Facebook and say, I have 100000 et cetera, et cetera. So I'm looking at the breakdown of the numbers, right? A $30,000 campaign on Instagram Gives you access to 80 million people every month. So in a year's time, that's 360,000. That's not including tax. But it's a numbers game. Now I got 80 million people absorbing my content, exposed to my content for an entire year. What do we need from those 80 million subscribers or 80 million listeners? We need a 10% conversion rate. We need 8 million sales of something, whether it's merchandise, downloads, um, physical copies, vinyl, CDs, merchandise. Maybe they just fucking go to, to, to the performances. Okay, let's do the numbers. So out of 80 million, we retain 10%. That's the freebie, right? Okay, that's 8 million. 
How many of those are going to come to the live performances? Maybe 800,000. Okay, so 800,000. Now, in a year, we got 52 weeks. How many concerts can we do in 52 weeks? I'm not doing more than 45 concerts a year. I have a family. I could do 45 concerts in a year. I'm not doing 50 concerts, and I'm not doing 51 or 52. So, okay, we got 45 events. How many of those 800,000 can we fit into each performance? Can we do 45 performances of 60,000 people? Mission accomplished. Think about it. 45 performances of 60,000 people, right? Every 10 is 600,000, right? So 600,000 times 2 is 1.2 million tickets. And then times 2, that's 2.4 million tickets. Okay, how much can we sell each ticket for? Can we sell them for 60 bucks? Can we sell them for 40 bucks? What is the blacksmith number? If we have 2.4 million people coming to live events, if we do $10 a ticket, that's $24 million. We're talking about some serious money here. Now, granted, you have to pay taxes. You have to pay the staff, this, that, and the third. But everything is streamlined because I get to close my own deals. Another good point Casey Graham made yesterday was you got to learn how to count your own money. I don't trust accountants like that. I don't trust financial advisors. I got to go through the numbers and I got to tell them what I need them to do. Just like with my lawyers. I fucking decide what I'm going to do and I tell them, listen, I need you to do this. You handle that. You take care of this. You take care of that. Why? Because that's the only way that I can have peace of mind at the end of the day. It's already hard enough for me to sleep. I run on three and a half hours of sleep a day. I am a motherfucking cyborg. So this is what I do. I'm a motherfucking time traveler confirmed. So, you know, long story short, hard work pays off. The industry cannot dictate what the future is going to be for technology, for entertainment, or for anybody's career. Signing a record deal is bullshit right now because I got a fucking billion dollar portfolio. So, again, now that some of the older artists are teaching the newer artists how to get things done, now they're saying build value in the catalog. They're talking about that now. I've been talking about that shit since the 90s. So this has all been a masterfully orchestrated plan that people just don't understand. So it puts me in this gray space of, you know what? I'm just going to continue to fly stuff. I'm going to fly below the radar. I'm going to be honest with you. I already turned off all the notifications on my social media. When I want to connect to social media, I connect to social media. But I'm not bombarded by every fan and every manager and every producer and every artist and every label that is just distracting me and, and draining my fucking energy to ask me about the dumbest shit in the world. Because everybody is looking for what is going to give them an advantage. And I'm like, listen, whatever company and whatever decisions they have to make, if they're not in the best interest of me and my family, I'm not interested. 
nor am I going to settle for anything less. If I'm on a label, I need to be the number one artist. You're not going to put me on a label with Kanye West and fucking give him the budget to be Kanye West. No, fuck that shit. I need to be number one. Why? Because this is what happens in this industry. This is what they don't tell you. This is what people don't know. When people watch it on TV or they listen to it on the radio or they stream it online, they don't know what the fuck is really going on. You know? So, again, why settle for less? I'm putting my own money up on my own career. I got my own millions of dollars invested. So do you think I need Puffy to say, you're a good artist, you're good, you're this, you're that. I could compete with Kanye as much as I could compete with Drake, as much as I could compete with Bad Bunny. Everything that those three niggas do, I do better than all of them. Spanish and English shit, Bad Bunny's done. Harmonizing and rapping, Drake is gone. Production and live performances, and I could dress better than fucking Kanye. It's over. You can't win, my nigga. There's nothing you could do. The label can't help you because I release music every day. So while you release a song every four months, I release an album a day. In two weeks, nigga, I got 15 albums on you. How the fuck are you going to beat me? You can't beat me. A movie could come to me and say, yo, I need an album about this movie. This movie's about boxing. I could do a whole album about boxing. A video game company could come to me and say, yo, we got this video game about this future technology shit. It's called Cyberpunk, blah, blah, blah. Boom, I'll give you a whole album just for that. What record label could do that? What record label could give you a love record, like a, a album about love and romance, and then give you some hood street shit, and then give you some fucking religious, psychological education shit? These niggas can't compete. So why do I have to waste my time? Explaining to them, giving away my secret sauce of why I have this catalog with thousands of songs. The Big Mac is the Big Mac because it has its formula. The Whopper is the Whopper because it has its formula. The sauce that Papa John's uses is not the same sauce from Domino's or Pizza Hut. The sauce that Little Caesar uses is not the same. So everybody is able to kind of carve their own tunnels, right? Carve their own way. So I've always operated on the business side of music, not the music industry. You have more money than your favorite artist. Even though it may seem that your favorite artist has this fucking lifestyle, all that shit is bullshit. Them artists got to pay 500 people before they get a dollar. So when that check comes in, the label takes their money, the manager, the road manager, this one, that one, the third, the nigga did the videos. And yo, by the time the artist sees anything, they make you look really good when you broke. Let me tell you, the industry is specialist in that shit. They'll make you look like a fucking billionaire and your ass will be broke and your kids will be fighting for your catalog when you die. That's not going to be my legacy. Elvis Presley left nothing to his family. Michael Jackson's catalog, stolen when he died. They're trying to buy the rest of the part that they don't own. Fucking Prince, one of the biggest catalogs. If anybody competes with me, it's Prince. He died. Fucking catalog is in probate. Who controls it? Warner Brothers. So if they didn't give Prince and Michael Jackson a fair shake, 
What makes you think they're going to give you a fair shake, little baby, or the baby, or 21 Savage, or NBA Youngboy? Them niggas don't give a fuck about you. <laughs> they will find the next little pump and the next little Dirk and the next little Wayne and the next nigga. You'll be the next little replacement because that's how the industry works. You know what I also found out doing the research on the DSPs? All the DSPs are backed by some type of label, either an investment firm that is uh, invested into whatever investment holdings company that invests in the label, that invests in the DSP. It's all the same people. You're dealing with the same people. So, for example, for United Masters, I'm already their biggest artist. I haven't released one record on there. The biggest artist they have is NLE Chopper. Garbage. <laughs> He's a young nigga, though. I give him props. He's doing his thing. But you get what I'm saying? A lot of the first-round funding came from 21 Century Fox and fucking Alphabet through Google. Surprise! Now you see where we're coming from. They started that company with $70 million. Jay-Z bought Tidal for $56 million and sold it for $500. you are dealing with the same people. Steve Stout is Nas, is close to Jay-Z, is close to Live Nation, is close to the NBA through EA Sports and NBA 2K. These are all the same fucking people. And shout out to Jay-Z and shout out to fucking Steve Stout which are my personal friends, and they're part of my project too. But again, in the industry, it's so broken up into so many different, uh, you know, so many different elements, but it's all the same people. You have DSPs that are attached to Universal, Warner Brothers, and Sony. Those are your major three. So they're going to do it directly. They're going to do it indirectly. They're going to do it on the left, on the right, up and down, and circle, circle, circle. That's how the music industry works. Your own family will put you down if they don't see you on TV. Your own friends will shit on you if they don't see you in a Porsche, Ferrari, or Lamborghini. But see, I'd rather own a 2016 Lamborghini Aventador and it's my shit and it's paid for and I don't owe a motherfucking penny on it than have a 2021 or 2022 Lamborghini Aventador Ultimato and fucking owe the whole shit or get an SVJ or SVJ Roadster and fucking owe that shit. Fuck that shit. I don't give a fuck if they change the body style. I don't give a fuck if they make it faster. I don't give a fuck if they have brighter colors. The pride of ownership is more important than the perspective or the point of view for people to say you are a powerful person. You have the appearance of owning a Bugatti or a Koenigsegg or a fucking Pagani. No, my nigga. The pride of ownership. I own my catalog. I own my music. I own my career. I own my company. I am the artist. I do everything myself. I don't need Wendy Day, and I don't need Damon Dash, and I don't need Casey Graham, and I don't need Miss Deb. I can do business with them. If it's beneficial at that moment, if I have something going on that they can close for me, if there's a deal they can close for me, hey, make your fucking 15 20% um, freelance fee. That's fine. I'm here to make money. I'm Jewish. We can make money together, baby. When I make money, a lot of people make money. So everybody loves to make money with me. 
but I still control my own destiny because at the end of the day, I have the most important thing. You may not see me on TV, you may not hear me on the radio, and you may not stream me online, but I have the fucking music. It's mine. You can never take it away from me. When I die, that's just going straight to my son. That's it. There's nothing you could do about that. There's nothing anybody can do about that. Not a record label, not a management company, not the fucking government, not the IRS. None of that bullshit. None of that bullshit. They can't stop me. I'm going to record an album today. I'm going to release an album today. And I'm going to market and promote that album today. And guess what? I don't even need to stream the numbers. You know why? Because the catalog increases the value when more music is created. I'm able to create music every single day. You cannot stop. The record labels can't stop me. The management companies can't stop me. Artist development can't stop me. And the artists forget about it. They're just puppets. For every fucking hundred artists, you may have one or two that are doing their thing independently. So I exist in a completely different realm. I've learned to be fucking mentally strong and have thick skin and and not be influenced. My family, I I attribute my inner core strength to them because my family taught me how not to give a fuck about what you think or say or do when it comes to me. You are free to say, to think, and do whatever the fuck you want. It is never going to stop me. It is never going to slow me down. All you're doing is fueling my fire. You're making me wake up earlier every day and work harder every day and go to sleep earlier every day so I could shut you down tomorrow even harder. If we play a game of basketball and I beat you by 40 points today, tomorrow I'm going to beat you by 65 points. And the day after that, I'm going to beat you by 85 points. And next week, I'll be beating you by 120 points. Like, I'm not just going to beat you. I'm going to demolish you. I'm going to obliterate you. You fighting Broly, my nigga. When you fucking with me in business, you fighting Broly every single time. I don't give a fuck if I'm negotiating socks with a Chinese company for fucking Alibaba or Tencent. You want my signature on that pair of socks? We're going to negotiate. I don't want a fucking perpetuity like Jordan gets for his brand. I want company stocks. Jordan should have negotiated 15% of Nike stocks. How much is 15% of Nike stock worth right now? You think Jordan Jordan is happy getting 100, 150 million? I'm trying to buy his house. I dared the world and I already let it be known the beginning of this year. I launched Future Tech Plus, which is my new magazine online. You can find it on LinkedIn. I'm going to buy this nigga's mansion for pennies on the dollar. Can you imagine if he would have owned 15% of the stocks in Nike? It's, 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 it's game over, B. It is game over. So I'm challenging everybody in the music industry, even in real estate and in business. Do what I do better than me. You know? So it, it is what it is. You, you can read it online for free. You can read it online for free. It's, it's digital. You don't have to buy it. You can read it online. I'll send him the link if he wants to read the article. So, so basically, 
I'm letting it be known that like I'm not afraid of the powers that be because I built a fucking army of talent and people that are in strategic positions in order for me to operate. So I don't worry about the industry because I race my own race. I'm moving everything at my own pace. It doesn't matter what the industry thinks, says, or does. It just doesn't matter. There's 8 billion people in the world that listen to music. What's 10% of that? That's 800 million people that could buy my records. Just, Just think about it. But the industry will have you think that Oh man, Bad Bunny streamed 18.5 billion. That's only the beginning. That's what people are failing to realize. Like, yo, that's not even, you're not even close. 18.5 billion? There's 8 billion in the world. If they play your song twice, you're at 16 billion. (laughs) Right? They play your song three times, you're at what? Fucking 24 billion. And that's just one artist, one genre, one release, one song. So can you imagine, can you put it into perspective of how this shit really works? They're making new iPhones every day. Sony's already working on the new PlayStation. Xbox is working on the new Xbox. And that just goes to show you every new car has fucking Android car shit and 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 the apple carplay whatever every single one so think about it you think that the opportunities are going away you think there's any way statistically mathematically that my catalog can have a lower value you're out of your fucking mind this is the way that we communicate in today's world We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, with our second segment. Let me reset this counter for you guys. We'll be back in the New York Minute. Okay, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So basically, this just goes to show you, right? Every single day, you know why I'm able to give you guys organic content? It's because every single day, I'm working on these things. And by working on these things, all I'm doing is educating myself more and more and more. So it doesn't matter what company wants to do business. It doesn't matter who wants to sign me or how they want to sign me. I'm always here to do business. In other words, my record label's open. You know, you hear stories of hip-hop, you know, beefs happening because the artist charged $300,000 for a feature, $200,000, and they didn't get paid. I don't have that problem. (laughs) You want me on a song? Listen, I'm going to give you a discount. I'm going to charge you 400000 Let's go. You want me to do a song with Taylor Swift? It's going to cost you a little bit more than that. You want me to write a song for Drake? It's going to cost you a little bit more than that. That's it. You ready to do business? My number is on my LinkedIn. My WhatsApp is on all my social media. Guess who's going to answer the phone if you call? It's going to be me. And I only speak boss. So you cannot expect me to talk to you like a fucking worker. I'm here to talk money. Before we talk, I'm going to need you to write a nice check and deposit it to my bank account. Then we could talk business. Then we know that it's real. 
I don't give a fuck what record label you from, what artist you working with. They're human beings just like me. They got 10 toes, 10 fingers, 2 feet, 2 arms. We got 2 eyeballs. We got 2 ears. You know what I'm saying? We're all human beings at the end of the day. So it's the same as, you know, I was looking at uh, the producer, right? He has this video where he goes to Jacob and Cole, right? And at first, he's dealing with, with the cleanup guy, right? But eventually, he's like, listen, I need to speak to Jacob because I came here to spend about $6, 7000000 million. Yo, you can't go up to the third floor and sit down with fucking Jacob unless you got 5 to $7 million. And if you don't, well, you could fucking buy a watch from the cleanup guy. You know, he's going to sell you watch that's probably, you know, half a million, 750000 But if you want the five, six million, seven million dollar shits, you're going to have to talk directly to fucking Jacob. You know, it doesn't get any better than that. There's nothing more simpler than that. Business is fucking business. So the same way that the record label, because they have the prestigious corporate building and the limousine downstairs and the private helicopter on the helipad and the private jet and they hold themselves to this fucking higher standard what makes you think i'm any different you think that they can sell me a dream and that's going to feed my family is going to take care of my parents and my kids and my wife i don't think so business is business and business is business that's it if it's not about money don't call my phone there's nothing for us to talk about you want to watch something, go watch TV. You need a hobby, go fishing. It's very peaceful. But if you make music, you should make money, right? That's the rule. What's the golden rule? Get the gold. I don't give a fuck if you want me crossing the street in the back of your music video. I have a price for that. Everything is for sale. You want to buy a song? I got three, four, five, six, ten, fifteen thousand 15,000 songs. How many you want? You need 100 songs, you need 200, you need 50, you need an album, you need a single. They're all for sale. They 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 all um what you call it? They they're all for sale. And at the end of the day, that's how it works. If I don't value my catalog, you think Warner Brothers is going to come and tell me, "You know what? Your catalog is worth if I don't value my career, you think Sony's going to say your career is worth? If I don't value myself, you think Universal is going to come to me and say, well, you need to be... No, my nigga. I negotiate everything myself. I come from the music industry. In the beginning of my career, within a year, I was already a part of the music business. Due to certain circumstances that were outside of my control, you know... I was very limited, but those days are over. So now the question becomes, what do we do from this point forward? Very simple. We negotiate to our best capability under every circumstance. Because in the same way that the record label tries to buy your project, you know, 
at today's price, but based on tomorrow's evaluation, well, guess what? I'm going to negotiate at tomorrow's evaluation. I'm not going to negotiate with you at today's prices. Today's price is not tomorrow's price. And yesterday's price is not today's price. This is a business. This shit makes trillions of dollars indirectly, directly billions and hundreds of billions of dollars. What makes you think I'm going to settle for anything less? Like you out of your mind. I have enough music to never do a song again in my life. And my music will take care of me and my descendants for generations to come. You know what kind of freedom that is? You think I'm going to be rapping about the same shit everybody else raps about? You, do you hear my love songs? You see how I could just connect with the ladies and just romance them? Because I can enjoy my life. I don't have to make a type of song to please management or a record label or a fan base. If I go to India, I can make you an Indian love song. I go to China, I can make you a Chinese love ballad. I go to Japan, I can make you a fucking Japanese techno. It doesn't matter. I have zero limitations. I can write. I can improvise. I can freestyle. I can sing. I can rap in English and Spanish, fast, slow. You want that love shit? I got that love shit. You want that hard shit? I got that hard shit. You want that laugh shit? I got that laugh shit. You want that cry shit? I got that too. Shout out to my nigga Big Pun. I got it all, baby. Got the whole shit on Smash, my nigga. The whole fucking, the spectrum is incredible. Y'all no limitations. You know, there's a fucking style of music. I can do, I can do music in that style of music. No problem. Whatever the market needs, I can provide. And the same way that I have all of these qualities and traits, what makes you think I can't just sign an artist in every genre if I find the same signature? Knowing that y'all were all stupid enough to sleep on me. Y'all were all stupid enough to count me out. You fucking turned me into the most powerful super saiyan. You cannot destroy me. I am fucking eternal. I am fucking Thanos and fucking Darkseid and fucking whoever else you could think about. I'm all of them put together. And I have the force like Vader. I could just fucking crush you with two fingers. Just crush you. I said, don't need to fucking fight. I don't got to pull out my lightsaber. I just crush you from the inside out. You seen at the end of, of The Mandalorian how my nigga Luke did the fucking... The force crush on the on the cybernetic robots. Yo, that nigga Luke is the man, yo. That nigga was crushing those machines. Yo, imagine Luke fighting General Grievous. You know, Obi-Wan had to shoot him inside of his tank, you know, for his organs. That nigga Luke would have just crushed them shits. Too powerful, my nigga. Way too powerful. So, you know, I promote the same cockiness, the same fucking arrogance to every other artist. Know your worth. Know your value. Anybody could put a price on anything. But can you really put the value on something? Can you really, like, type in the net worth of something? My music lives for a hundred billion years. And you want me to fucking settle for fucking pennies on the dollar? You know what kind of lines of credit these record labels have? 
you could borrow the money if you want me on your roster. Because we're talking billion dollars or better. We're not, we're not, we're not talking $400 million was like a year and a half ago. So I can't wait to see what the value is going to be in five years. Maybe I will be the first hip-hop chiller there. That's a nice little goal to have. I like that goal. Do you like it? I like the sound of it. People thought that the Billionaire Boys Club was doing damage in sports and entertainment by becoming billionaires. I'm saying, nah, that's a good foundation, but I'm going to start where you guys are finishing. And all I'm going to do is take it to the next level. You get what I'm saying? That's what it really comes down to at the end of the day. So, my whole thing about it is keeping up with everything that's going on, but staying together and not mixed. Not letting that shit influence anything that I do. Keeping a level-headed mind, staying humble, you know, Boots on the ground approach to everything. Military mindset. This is warfare. Business is warfare. There are no friends. There are no family. We're not cool. We're not cute. We're not boys. We ain't friends. This is warfare. This is my empire is here to take over your shit. And we will stop at nothing. We're going to strike first and we're going to strike the hardest. There's no way for you to ever, you know, to be able to come back. And sadly, it has to be that way. Now, once I'm in a position of power, I can help people. Then I'm not limited to say, you know what? I can't give you this raise because Universal won't give me the budget. And I can't give you this management position because Warner Brothers says I can't do it. And I'm going to make you an artist because you understand the industry because Sony doesn't have input in what I do. You see, if I don't take over the whole shit, they're not going to let me in. They're not going to pave the way. They're not going to open the door. So I thank Wendy Day, in a sense, very loosely, for shitting on me in a nice way, telling me that she had other projects when I came up with almost $600,000 for her. Wow. You could turn away my 600000 Okay. Thank you for the valuable lesson. The same is true for for Miss Deb, you know. She's coming in for 15, 20, maybe 25%. That's a lot of cheeseburgers if we're talking a few billion dollars. Okay, you could turn that away. Thank you. you. Taught me a valuable lesson. Meanwhile, there's somebody like a Casey Graham that I'm like, man, I didn't offer this guy nearly as much as any of these offers. Maybe I need to reconsider that. For for some time, I was like, you know, maybe I should make him one of my business partners. And you know what I found to be even better? I'm developing a friendship. So I'm still going to look out. We're still going to make millions of dollars together. But beyond business, now you're part of my project. You're a part of my team. You're a part of my squad. That means that any business opportunities that come up in the future, I'm always going to consider you. And that's for a lifetime. And that's just based on very simple key things. And 
it's an amazing thing. Again, it's a gift that continues to give because a lot of the questions that I asked him, he made content about it. He put it on his podcast. He put it on his channel. So he made money off of it. Okay. So again, I'm demonstrating to him how just a conversation with me is bringing value to what he's doing. And if I give you 100% of what you want, you're going to give me 100% of what I want. I'm so busy solving other people's problems and helping other people that I don't have any problems. That I don't have any challenges in getting certain things accomplished. Because I'm that laser focused on everything that I'm doing. And I'm not forcing it and I'm not finessing it. It's just happening organically at its time. You see... I have proven that not only can an artist be a businessman, but also an entrepreneur, and I'm also breaking the taboo of age. I'm 40 years old. I'm competing with some fucking 19-year-olds. And not, you know, just competing for the sense of competing. Competing because I understand the business, and I understand what I can deliver to the market. And the market will decide what they gravitate towards, or what they don't gravitate towards. Because at the end of the day, it is what it is. We're human beings. You know, you go to China, people love KFC. But you come to America, people love Popeyes. It doesn't mean Popeyes won't be successful in China. It just means that the public decided that that's what they, you know, that's what they prefer. So it's the same thing with music. What may be huge in Europe may be nothing in the United States, but may be acceptable in Central America, may be um, viable in the Middle East, may be a growing spectrum in Asia, may not be anything in Canada. But who are we to say, let me just release my record in Canada, or let me just release my record in Europe? Or let me just release my record in America. Who are we to determine that? You don't know who can relate to one of your songs. You don't know who can relate to one of your albums. You don't know who's going to come to a live event. Mayweather used to say people paid to see him win. Or people paid to see him lose. But they all paid. And it's the truth. If a car used to have a 6 CD changer. Right? I don't mind being CD number six. After you heard your top five favorite artists of all time and you listen to your top five playlists and you just need something to give you a break from your favorite artists and then give you the energy to connect with those favorite artists again, that's fine with me. And again, this gives you a perfect example of what we're trying to to, to discuss here. So, at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. Even if you love steak, you can't eat it every day. Even if you love Kanye West, you can't hear that shit every day. Even if you love Bad Bunny, you can't hear it every day. Even if you love fucking whoever it is. You may listen to Drake or Bad Bunny or whatever for four or five days. But there's going to be that one day in that barbecue or whatever the setting is where you're going to throw on one of my records. Maybe you hear it in a video game. 
Maybe you hear it in a commercial. Maybe you see it in a movie. Maybe you don't like the whole album. Maybe you only like seven songs. Maybe you only like two songs. It doesn't matter. If I can get you to download three of my songs, I made my money. And thank you and fine. You could throw the other fucking 21 songs away. But see, your three songs are different from Asia's top three songs. And from Canada's top three songs. And from Central America and Europe's top three songs. So collectively, I may have three hits in Canada and three hits in the Middle East and two hits in Latin America and one hit in Europe and one hit in the United States. Because everything is digital, the whole world can connect to my music. You got to really put that into perspective. You know how tour works for me? I'm going to tell you how tour works for me. I take a fucking map of the world and I put my finger down wherever the fuck I want. And I zoom into that market. And I zoom into that city. And I pick the top five venues that I want to perform in. And I make five phone calls and I send five emails. Yo, let's have a joint venture. Limited liability partnership or corporation. For the purpose of this event on this date. From this time to this time. What's the capacity? How many chairs do we need? How much food? How many beers? How many bottles of liquor? How can we promote in this market? How can we, um, you know, put everything together to have this amazing and wonderful um, performance? Oh, the population is 5 million? Okay, great. We need to reach out to 500,000. Okay, cool. Out of those 500,000, all we need is 10%. We just need 50,000 people to come to this concert. How long is the concert? Two hours. But I'll make it four hours because I'll bring you some local talent. I'll do a talent show. I'll bring you a local DJ. I might fly in a DJ. You know what? Let's connect with the community. Let's do some charity events. You know, let's help out the people in the trade schools, in the educational sector. Let's help out a few churches. Let's do it the right way. And boom, there you go. One performance turns into two, turns into 12, turns into 24. That's a tour. Okay, once that's done, you have your profit and loss ratio and statements, right? Pay taxes, make your money, whatever. Then you know what I do? I do it again. But now I go to a different part of the world. What's also unique is that everywhere I go, I can create music. So if I'm in Italy, my love songs are going to have an Italian twist. If I'm in Germany... My party records are going to have a German twist. If I'm in France, my romantic ballads are going to have, you know, a twist from Paris. Everywhere I go, I can connect with the people. I can connect with the vibe of the locals. And I can bring that not only to them in that market, but I can bring that to the rest of the world. By doing something as simple as going on tour, 10 days in one market, doing 20 events, 20 shows, and releasing 20 records all over the world. It's game over. I don't need a tour bus. I have a private jet. I don't own it, not completely, but I own a nice chunk of it. So if there's no red-eye flights, if there's no fucking um, sub-economy, super, uh, 
you know, affordable flights, okay, I'll take a private jet. I don't have to do it every day. I don't have to do it every time. What is that going to do? It's going to create brand awareness. It's going to scale. It's going to expand my reach. And for every private jet flight that I have to take, I take 45 economy flights. But that one flight in the private jet may expand my reach to a whole nother market. And it's the same process. Repeat, rinse, and recycle. Repeat, rinse, and recycle over and over and over again. There are people that listen to music in Asia, like there are people in Europe that listen to music, like there are people in Canada that listen to music, and people in Central America, etc. The United States is my smallest market, and this is the last market. That means when I come off tour, this is when I do a few stadiums, and I ride off into the sunset. I won't be back in, in the States probably for six years. I'm going to be on tour for six fucking years. I'm going on vacation after that. How many artists have that determination? People used to be amazed when artists had like a studio in the tour bus. My nigga, I got a studio in my briefcase. Where I lay my hat to my home. I'm not constrained. The labels can't say, oh, you know, you just made a party record. You can't make a love song. Or you just released this gangster record for this movie that you did. You know, you, you can't do a party record. No. I could release an R&B album and connect with that fan base and then release a pop album and connect with that fan base and release a reggae album and connect with that fan base. You know, think about me in Jamaica doing the top 25 cities and inner cities with 25 new singles and five new musical projects and what style other than fucking reggae that the whole world consumes and listens to because there are people from Jamaica all over the world. But I'm in Jamaica, Jamaica, baby. The same is true for so many other opportunities. And if anything, I aim to inspire the new age artists that say, you know what? I got to learn how to sing as well as rap. I got to learn how to write as well as freestyle. These are all attributes. These are all weapons. These are all elements that are going to determine my success in the future. Because any companies that want to do business with me, they may need a different type of music. They just want to connect with you. You're still an artist and you're still, you know, being endorsed or they're, you know, you're endorsing their product or service. But you're not limited to the fucking boxes that they used to put people in. 50 Cent made a, a, a comment about how the way that we listen to 90s R&B is the way that, you know, older people listen to Motown. That's very endearing to hear that because everybody from my generation is kind of dealing with the age factor, right? And um, Gimp was saying in his interview with Beehive of Atlanta, once again, shout out to you, Beehive. Um, you know, Gimp was saying that when you look at the Temptations and the Commodores, those were grown men. Those artists were seasoned veterans. So the music sounded different. You see, as much as there's a market for the youth and the teeny boppers, 
there's a market for everybody else because I can listen to hip hop and I can still go to a fucking reggaeton concert. I can still, you know, go to a fucking country concert. It doesn't matter. Maybe that's what I'm doing that day. Maybe my family's going to a fucking country music festival. What makes you think I won't attend? So you get a percentage of the people that show up to your events just because it's the new thing, just because it's the new wave, just because a friend got them tickets or whatever. You know what? They're still going to buy popcorn and hot dogs and and chili cheese fries with jalapenos. They're still going to sell beer. They're going to sell liquor. They're going to sell wine. They're going to sell champagne. They're going to sell VIP tables. They're going to sell hookahs. They're going to sell merchandise. If you don't buy one of my shirts, you might buy one of my beanies. If you don't buy a beanie, you may buy one of my snapbacks. You don't buy a snapback, you may buy one of my keychains. You may buy a magnet for your refrigerator. You may buy one of my pair of socks. You may buy one of my watches. You may buy one of my business suits. You don't even know the name of the brand, so you don't know that that's my brand and you're buying one of my business suits. And you're writing a nice little check to my kids in the future. And those little checks add up and add up and add up. Why? Because I'm not limited. Not only can I do movies for big-ass studios and production companies like Tyler Perry's, for example, I can write my own movies. And I can make my own movies. And I can produce my own movies. And I can release my own fucking movies. There's no limitations. I always bet it all on me. Win, lose, or draw. I'm not going to go out without a fight. When it comes to business, I'm always going to be Broly. I'm always going to fight tooth and nail. With every fucking fiber that I have in my body, I don't give a fuck. You can have a machete in your hands and I'll still fucking knock your ass out. We're going to fight. You better hit me with that machete. You better take off every part of my arm, every part of my leg. Before you know it, you're going to be fighting a cylinder. But even as a cylinder, I'm going to fuck you up. And that's my mentality. So, this puts a lot into perspective because we all need to be aggressive when it comes to our own self-worth, our own self-value in all things that we do. This is not for the faint of heart. This is not for the weak-minded. There's no weak sauce up in here. Everything is success. Let's work hard. Anything is possible. I may be successful in music. You may be successful in the restaurant industry. This person could be successful in real estate. That person could be successful in medicine or in engineering or in real estate. It doesn't matter. Everybody has a natural gift and an ability that they can, you know, exploit for their greater good. So at the end of the day, it puts so many things into perspective. We have no reason to settle for less. All the opportunities that I lost or missed out on from the age of 17, now each one of those missed opportunities is going to generate tens of millions of dollars for me. And that says a lot. That puts a lot into perspective. So did I lose anything? I really didn't lose anything because I gained more in knowledge that I can apply to so many other different things. Like I said yesterday, I have my own YouTube channel that I do educational educational series. I got my podcast. I got my vlog. I got my online magazine. I have all my social media, 
for all my investments. I do real estate. I do music. I do technology. I do apparel. I do fucking wearable technology. There's so much shit that I'm into and I'm already diversified and invested into that I don't have time to worry about bullshit. I don't have time to focus on anything that's not positive. I speak the language of kings. I speak the language of success. I don't have time to waste my time with anything that's negative. If you got a small mentality, you can't listen to my podcast. Because you're not going to be able to process everything that I'm fucking telling you. This is rapid fire. I'm hitting you with a machine gun of positivity. And if it's too much for you to bear, if it's too much for you to handle, you're not going to be able to handle it. You're going to go and listen to another podcast where they're giving you a warm towel to wash your hands. And they're telling you life is perfect and everything is beautiful. No, sometimes you got to put the fucking diamond to the grinding stone. Sometimes a diamond can only be forged in the fire and the pressure and the pain and the extremities, right? In the extreme environments. A diamond is not always going to be able to be created in, in the laboratory. And I am the anti-system. I like man-made fucking scientific um, uh, diamonds. Actually, they're a lot better and they're more awesome in my opinion. You may feel otherwise. And you know what? You're entitled to do that. For, for flavors and for uh, favorites, there are colors, right? For everything you can imagine, for everything you can think about, there's a version for you. And that's okay. Whatever works for you in your pursuit of happiness, you're free to embrace that. But I don't have to buy into that program. I don't have to uh, settle for what you're settling for. I don't have to give up my fight. I don't have to change my strategy or my structure. I'm able to see shit exactly for what it is. Not how I want to see it. Not how you want to see it. Not how you want me to see it. I can see things for what they are. If grass is green and water is wet, I don't need to think otherwise. So if the industry is designed to entrap people, to have favoritism, to have inner competition for the better and greater good of the fucking label. If they're not willing to give me an opportunity, I got to create my own opportunity. I got to work harder. The harder I work, the luckier I get. Everything that I put into every day, into my life, on an emotional level, psychological level, educational level, financial level, artistic, creative expression level, what I put in is what I'm going to get out. A lot of people work for an hourly, you know, pay rate for a, a bi-weekly paycheck. But I'm going to give a special shout out to Cristian Casablanca, one of my other advisors. Doesn't mean I agree with everything he says, but he said, listen, spend every day working on an idea because that idea is going to bring you billions and trillions of dollars. Instead of working in a place for a fucking hourly pay, oh, this place pays $17 an hour. Yeah, at the expense of what? Your dreams? Every two weeks you get a paycheck and you think you're doing something? When you could be working on an idea, how much is that worth? What's the value in that? How much could you get out of an idea? Do you know what a fucking iPhone is? Do you know what a touchscreen is? Do you know what a helicopter is? Those were all ideas. 
a job could be fucking stamping um, automotive license plates. Next, ching, stamp that shit. Next, ching, you could do that shit your whole life. But what's the value of developing an idea? Future Tech Plus was started like that. Future Tech Plus started not as a magazine, but as an article, as a journal, as a periodical. And it turned into its own thing. And at first it was rapid fire. I gave everybody new issues, new this, new this, new that. And now I make them wait for it. They know that when it's released, it's going to be something special. It's going to be something unique. It's going to be something intriguing. Because the kid got it. The kid definitely has a lot to say. Right? And in the interview with NBC, again, with, with Curtis 50 Cent Jackson, you know, they were asking him all these uh beautiful questions. And he said, how would you describe yourself, you know? And um, he basically said, I still got it. He said he didn't want to be called the mogul because it meant that he couldn't do music, he couldn't rap. But that's powerful. You know, I, I read his latest book, and, you know, he was being compared to Nas. You know, they're both from Queens and stuff like that. And he was very humble in the way that he described Nas and himself by comparison. But I like what Gibbs said, that nobody ever gave him the crown. Like, yo, 50 had the crown for sure. And 50 still has the crown. Look what he's done to fucking blow past Nas and blow past Ja Rule and all these other artists as an artist. It's been 20 years since Get Rich or Die Trying. This nigga's still doing it. That's the fucking man right there. Then again... Look at what Irv Gotti was doing with uh, Murder, Inc. And taking that catalog and doing all these other things, right? Well, what the fuck you think 50's doing? So if 50 is doing that, one of the most influential artists in my life, one of my favorite artists, what lesson do you think that he's writing the blueprint for for me? What, what what lesson do you think that is? What do you think I'm doing? I started writing movies before I wrote music. You have to really know me to know that. So what makes you think my inclination is not Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, Hulu, Netflix, and any other streaming service, whether it's Tubi or whatever? That is the final frontier at this moment. Where are we going beyond that? The Sony PlayStation and whatever Microsoft system is out and whatever Nintendo system is out and any other digital platform. Because when it comes to my video games, my video games are going to be direct to your digital platform. You see, nobody's made good mobile digital video games and that's where I come in Bubble Crush was a beta program that I had on my phone that my son used to play that turned into a billion dollar app called Color Switch 
the kid that that made the game, he's like this Japanese kid. At the time, he was like not even 30 years old. This nigga had an aqua blue marine custom Lamborghini. He had a few of them. And nobody knew that he did it designing one fucking game. You know how big Angry Birds is? You know how big Candy Crush is? And that's just an example. The possibilities are endless. So what is the true final frontier? Video games, the metaverse, NFTs. The same way I could write a song, I could write a poetry, I could write uh, a jingle, I could write a fucking movie script, documentary. The same way that you write a video game. It's just a movie um, in a hyper context. You know, you could have a, a movie of Transformers and that's three hours long, but the video game could be 39 hours of gameplay. That means that for every minute of movie, you have 10 or 15 minutes of content as a video game. So if in one scene, you know, Bumblebee has to rescue uh, Shia LaBeouf's character, right? Um, with Wiki, right? He has to rescue him. Well, guess what? In a video game, there's a thousand ways for me to help you rescue with Wiki in, in, inside the game. And it's completely different because when you're playing a video game, you're essentially watching a movie, but you're able to interact with the content because you could chat with your friends, you could listen to your favorite music while you're playing the game, and you're actually using a lot of your, your mental and brain capacity. So that's going to keep you very sharp in the future. It's easy to go to the gym for three, four months and come out looking like a fucking monster. But it's not as easy to work on your brain if you don't do it every single day. My younger son, he's a genius. I tell him, yo, when we do this video game shit, you're going to help me design a lot of this shit. Because good has to come from all those days on the PlayStation and the Xbox and this and playing this game and playing that game, etc., etc. You see... What the youth doesn't know is that if you learn that technology, you can apply it to so many different things. Look at the ring cameras, how they were introducing Shark Tank. Everybody's shitting on them. Now it's a billion-dollar company. I went to my aunt's house. She has a ring camera. She doesn't have a full surveillance system with cameras all over the house, but at least you know that the ring thing that you put on your door to answer the door, it records data. It records audio and video. So for the people that like to steal people's Amazon Prime packages and shit, guess what? Your ass is going to jail because we got you in high definition. And that just gives you an example of what benefits you can yield by working on an idea. And that's going to be the title of today's podcast. You can spend your entire life working in a field, a trade, an industry. But can you spend a little bit of time working on an idea? What's the value in that? What's the benefit in that? I understood the industry was not going to give me an opportunity and I had to fucking, you know, create my own lane. Okay. What's the value in that? I started my own record label. I developed myself as an artist. I learned the industry myself. I learned the business myself. 
I expanded on that understanding and knowledge by studying business and studying psychology and studying technology and traveling the world and investing in so many different types of businesses. So the markets can never fuck with me. The economy can't fuck with me. I was built and forged in the fire of recessions and problems and politics and this, that, and the third. I already come from a jungle environment. This is nothing new to me. I've been a warrior my entire life. Dominican Republic, when I showered, I would stand in front of the sun to dry. I am a fucking king. I am a warrior king. I am the scorpion king. So you think that because you raise a gallon of milk from $4 to $6, I don't know what's going on? You think I can't realize that? You think I'm not aware of everything that's going on? You think I can't adjust and pivot? And create a new business and create a new avenue and create a new lane and create new content and new ways to connect, more digital marketing. It doesn't matter what you put me in. I could open a lemonade stand and run it like a Fortune 500 company. I never stopped my education. I never stopped doing anything that I've been doing my entire life. If anything, you've only made me stronger. So what's the value in that? Now you're dealing with Broly. That's what happened. This is not Vegeta or Goku. This ain't Trunks. It's not even Piccolo. You're fighting Broly. When it comes to business, I know my shit. That's why I can give you my podcast every day unscripted as it is. I don't give a fuck what you think, say, or do. You're not going to stop me. And every time you check, there's going to be a new podcast. And this is not for rookies. And this is not for no weak shit. This is real life shit. This is my real life. We're talking about real business, real technology, real retirement, real fucking wealth uh, uh, asset management and, and, and fucking uh, progression plans in place and all that shit. This is what you're actually dealing with. Like, this is the real deal. Five, ten years from now, it's going to be too late for you to say, man, he had a podcast and he was telling us step by step what he was doing, how he was doing it. I'm giving you guys an insight that I should charge you for. I could turn every one of these podcasts into a book. But I give it all away for free. Because it may help you in whatever your pursuit of happiness is. It's only going to add to my karma and my happiness to know that I at least tried to help all of you out there. I'm also challenging not only myself, I'm challenging the whole industry. I'm daring you to stop me from buying Michael Jordan's estate. I may have the money and not buy that shit, but I'm still challenging you to let you know, you know what? I got my eyes on that property. Maybe I'm inciting you to go through a bidding war against me if I ever decide to buy it and become a billionaire and then you become a billionaire and we're bidding against the same fucking house. This is my public ledger, just like the blockchain. You can't hide nothing. It is what it is. I don't only want a fucking Chiron. I want a Scion. I mean, not a Scion. Yeah, I want a Scion 6.3. And I want the Roadster. And I want the fucking LaFerrari. And I want the Apelta. And I want a 19, uh, a 918 Spider. And I want a Remac Navarro. And I want a, a Conan Segregera RS. I want a Jesco. I want a Gamera. I want a fucking A50R. I want a fucking Huayra. I want a Huayra Roadster. I'm not afraid to tell you. 
What you gonna do? Judge me? You better start. What you gonna do? Talk shit? Man, there's so many words in the world. You better find every word if you think you're gonna stop or slow me down. Well, your your gesture is gonna be a fucked up one. Listen, when I'm in my Porsche, my Ferrari, my Lamborghini, my Lotus, my Aston Martin, my Conan Cycle, my Pagani, I'm gonna be smiling. And my music is gonna be full blast. And most likely it's gonna be my own music. That right there is priceless. And all of my success, I'm going to enjoy with my kids and all my loved ones. And I'm going to go hard every single day that God gives me and every single thing that I do. And you cannot stop me. I have the Mamba mentality. I am Kobe Bryant when it comes to this music shit. And yes, I am better than Jordan. Jordan is Jay-Z. By every metric, there's no way that you're going to stop me, ever. I could die tomorrow. I could not record a song for the rest of my life. And my legacy is solidified. My legacy goes outside of myself, outside of my generations. And my great, great, great grandkids, 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 grandkids is already established. First artist on the blockchain to release his entire music catalog as an NFT collection, August 25th, 2021. That day will live in eternity. I was the first. 2022, not only did I release 987 songs in 2021 in seven months and two days, I released 2,500, maybe 2,600 songs in one calendar year. I'm in the process of paying fucking uh, World Guinness Records almost a quarter of a million dollars because I broke over 12 over two dozen records, I established over two dozen records, and I did it all in a fiscal year. And I recorded everything on a cell phone, on a digital platform that's portable, on a digital device that I basically rebuilt to be my music studio. Ain't that a bitch? You let me fucking set a world record with zero resources. All I had was the internet. And the desire and the heart to do my music and the love and the passion of my dream and the motivation of everybody that I loved. And the charge of the battery and the fucking $20 headphones that I bought in fucking Best Buy that has a built-in microphone. You let me turn that into a catalog that's worth billions and trillions of dollars. If you think that's big, you got a whole nother surprise coming. But that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the VR1 NFT podcast. And I'm your host. Once again, I want you to have an amazing and marvelous day today. May you conquer everything that is in your path. May everything that you touch turn into solid gold. Always remember to dream big because dreams come true. It happened to me and I know for a fact it's going to happen to you. Thank you guys so much. I love you guys and we'll see you on the next one. God bless. And I fucking love this shit because this is what I do. The harder you go at me, the harder I flow, baby, and everything. Always been like that my entire life. I'm a motherfucking winner.
Are you?